season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shrigland and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have Indy Sharks right-handed pitcher and shortstop 2024 Ohio State commit Gavin Kuzneski on the JKR podcast for the Indiana Baseball Series. Gavin, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Excited to be here. Hey, awesome. And of course, you know, thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, but before we dig into, you know, the Indy Sharks, before we dig into Fishers High School, before we dig into Ohio State, I got one question I like to ask everybody that gets on the JKR podcast. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Gavin Kuzneski? Um, Gavin Kuzneski is a pretty hardworking, loyal man who really enjoys the game of baseball. Okay, there we go. Perfect answer right there. Short and simple. But uh, so first segment here, I kind of want to dig into travel baseball. Kind of take us through just your experience with the Indy Sharks, you know, maybe how you got connected with them and what travel baseball has been like for you so far. So ever when I was about six, I started playing travel baseball with this team called the Fishers Tigers. Now the high school I go to, but that I stuck stuck with the Tigers for about four years until I was about 11 or 10, I think. And then I went to the Nitro for one year. wasn't really what I was looking for, especially at that young age. And then I had previously done like pitching lessons and things with Jason Tallman, the founder of the Sharks organization. And he just told me, come on, play for the Sharks. And I knew that I could trust him. He's a really good guy who really knows how to develop youth baseball athletes. So that's kind of what got me on board. And then ever since then, I've just fell in love with what Jason Tallman has um, like inspired us to do and what he has taught us right versus wrong and how to work and how to develop to get to the next level. And that has really been what has stuck with me. I know that travel baseball can sometimes get to like a show of daddy ball and not everything's going right and just like a money grab. But 
what I really found with the Sharks is that Jason and that program really cares about you and wants to do everything they can so you have the tools to get better and get to the next level. Yeah. So I know a lot of travel organizations do a little bit differently when it comes to coaches. Like sometimes they have a guy like, hey, you're going to coach the class of 2027 all the way up till they graduate or whatever. Sometimes they have a designated coach at 15, 16, 17, you whatever. For the Indy Sharks, kind of what does that look like? So Jason coached us until I think we were 13. And then since his son's on the team, Brock Tallman, he was like, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to coach my son once he gets to a certain age. So then we got a few different coaches and then we got to, I think it was 15U. And that's what they did with the other age group before us. They went from 15U up until they were done with summer ball. So we got those coaches, Brad Lance and Ben Yoder. So now they've been with us since 15U, 16U, and now 17U. Okay, so you mentioned Jason, you mentioned Coach Yoder, and that, I, I can't remember that third coach you mentioned, but what are some of those relationships that you've built with some of these Indie Sharks guys? Just what are those relationships you've built through travel baseball so far? I've just noticed that relationships are key and they always care about you. Like um, Coach Lance and Coach Yoder, they're there for you as coaches outside of the game of baseball also. So if you ever got problems, you can always go to them. Okay. So what, so being a, being a guy in the class of 2024, obviously this is your last year of summer baseball, last year, travel baseball, you know, what are you looking forward to most for, you know, this upcoming summer? Honestly, just enjoying it with my teammates and the hotel memories and things like that. It's going to be the last year of that. So got to make them count. And then still got to perform well on high stages, national levels, and like to get to a few showcases still get my numbers out there and things like that. Okay. So you talk about those hotel memories. Obviously a lot of times when I talk about favorite travel baseball memories of players, they bring up the hotel, whether that's pool, whatever, ding dong, did whatever, whatever happens to be. But, you know, looking back into your travel baseball career, what are, you know, maybe two or three of those favorite memories that come to mind, whether that's, you know, off the field, maybe doing something pretty cool on the field as well. Just what are some of those favorite travel baseball memories? That's a good one. Um, I I got to go with Cooperstown, number one spot, just a week at 12 years old, no parents, just coaches and your best friends, just enjoying the game, running around in little dorms and nice weather, eating food with the team, just cracking jokes. So that's probably one for me. Um, for two, um, last two years, we've, we went to a trip in Nashville, which was really fun. Um, I think a game got rained out, so we had nothing to do all day. So we just ran around like parking garages and yeah, you said ding dong ditch rooms and (laughs) it was fun. And then just this last year, um, in Georgia, actually, we, we got another rain out. So we just, we did like two escape rooms and just hung out and we had like a mini golf thing in our room. So we played that. And then we, uh, Mikey Hilficker, who was on our team, he always would bring the little Mario baseball, like box thing. And so we would play that for hours and just mess around. It was a great time. Yeah. So being a part of the Indy Sharks, uh, obviously in the state of Indiana, we have, you know, 
Indiana Bulls, Canes Midwest, you know, five-star Midwest. For you, being a part of the Indy Sharks, you know, what benefits do you think that brings to you being a part of maybe those sm- that smaller organization compared to the, you know, the Bulls, Canes, whatever? Yeah, I've always thought about, you know, switching it up, going to one of those bigger-time programs. But the thing that's really stuck with me with the Sharks is the development key of things. I've no- I'm not knocking any of those programs. They're all great programs. But I've noticed that it's kind of develop on your own then perform at that high level. What I noticed with the Sharks is they're there to help you develop. And I know those other organizations have great coaches. I've played for some of them, filled in for some of them. All the coaches are great. But I've just really noticed with the Sharks that development is the thing that matters. And then also, I just think it's cool because all those guys, we're all really close because we're all from closer areas. It's kind of expanded over the last few years, but we all we all can hang out outside of the game like those big those big programs you know it could be a 5 hour flight for some of those guys and things like that so yeah so go ahead and making this transition from travel baseball to high school baseball there at Fishers go ahead take us through you know your freshman sophomore year and then leading up to this year so far you know how's your junior year going all right so freshman year stepped on um I guess campus, <laughs> high school campus, and I was hoping to make varsity. Um, I wanted to pitch varsity, play the field on JV. I'm freshman year is when I really realized I was better pitcher than position player. It's kind of stuck with me. So I worked, I worked hard. Um, I did make varsity. I threw like the third most amount of innings on the team for a pitcher. So I got a lot of non-conference starts. Got a lot of innings. Played, I think, like seven games JV in the field, but I was fine with that. I was worried about the pitching. We That freshman year was awesome. We were not the best team starting the year. We got really close, connected. We filled in the spots that we were missing, and um, we made a road to state. Best time of our lives, just fun, even though I didn't get much playing time throughout the road to state. I actually kind of messed up my shoulder in my last start, so I didn't – come in relief at all throughout the state games, but I probably wouldn't have anyways. But, um, yeah, it was just really cool to see that, like, dog pile on the field after uh, sectionals, regionals, semi-state. We came up short to Jasper, but it was just still a great time, great journey to see that. And then sophomore year, we were the number one team in the state all year long. High expectations. Leading into the year, I worked my butt off, jumped from about 80 to 83 to 88, 90, top 92, and more 87, 90. But, and then it worked my butt off, um, came out, working for a conference starter job, but we brought back both of our returning conference guys. So I was more, I got one conference start, more relief. And then if I didn't throw, I just throw the non-con games. But we dominated all season long. We played really well, got to sectionals. Um, then we drew, we got Zionsville in the sectional championship and they came out ready to play. Um, Dixon, he's really good. He shoved it down our throats and Brody Christman swung it pretty well, so that was tough knowing that we were probably the most talented team in the state. One bad game, one game that they totally outperformed us, tip our caps, but they got us that year. So now junior year, obviously the goal is 
go back to state. Worked my butt off again this off season. Um, I get one of the conference spots, starter spots, and play the field um, on second at second when I do not pitch. So so far it's been going well. Um, first three outings I absolutely shoved through very well, and then I struggled a bit against Noblesville. Mechanics got a little bit out of whack. Couldn't really command it too well. And then Westfield, same issue. A little bit more out of the stretch. Mechanics got out of the whack. So I fine-tuned some stuff, worked on it. And then HSC, I just threw a CG shutout one hitter. So okay, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> we got it going again. So. All right. All right. So with you, you know, being one of those conference starters this year, being a guy, being a junior who is, you know, committed to a Power 5 program, how have you maybe stepped up? as a leader, maybe showing some of the younger guys how to play that high school baseball level with you, you know, having that experience at the varsity level going and, you know, far into the state championship. How have you maybe stepped up as a leader? Um, Honestly, the biggest way I would say is just like talking through things with guys. And like, I believe my baseball IQ is pretty high and I understand pitching really well. So just like talk through situations, talk through mechanics. If someone's struggling, I, I'll try my best to help you, just things like that sort. And then we're all pretty close, so we all, we all chat about everything. And that's not really individual leadership, but it's kind of like there's a core group of us that step up really and just bring the team up. Yeah. So with you, obviously in that 2024 class there at Fishers, they got you, Jack Brown, you know, two power five commits in that same class for you guys, you know, how are you guys, you know, maybe both picking the, picking each other's brain, you know, kind of seeing about how you guys maybe go about your pregame routine, maybe different pitch grips, whatever it happens to be. How are you and Jack, you know, still, you know, being, you know, very same caliber type of ball players, power five commits. How are you guys maybe picking each other's brain? Yeah. Um, Jack is very smart when it comes to like the body side of things and recovery. So I always pick his brain on like recovery and post game stuff. And even when it comes down to lifting, like if I'm not feeling too great, um, I'll ask him like accessories to do and things of that sort. And then on the mound, we just talk about like kind of how to throw to guys sometimes like, cause he throws game one, I throw game two. So what can't these guys hit? What can I beat them with? He always talks to me through that. And then we always just chat about everything, pitch grips, just see what's working. We chat because he throws two seams. I throw four seams. He played around with four seams. So we talked about that all off season, like why I like the four seam because I play better up in the zone, but he plays better down with that run and sink. So we just talk about everything really. Okay, so, you know, as this junior spring, you know, keeps rolling on, you guys get closer and closer to sectional time, regional time, like you said, you said the drawings tonight. You know, what are some of those expectations you have for the rest of your junior year, just the expectations you have for the rest of the spring? Um, The expectations we all have at my high school is to win state. Um, After our freshman year, we saw what it took to get there, and we are by far more talented than that roster my freshman year, so – that's the main goal. One of our many goals was to sweep HSC. We just did that. I think everything's starting to click. We lost some games we shouldn't to start the year. However, I think those games were needed to see what we needed to work on. And I really think now we get the time going. 
we get hot at the right time and then that builds sectionals got to win that first and then regionals and semi-state so one step at a time really focus on the hand at task before we start looking at the big picture obviously you play up there in northern indianapolis obviously you, got, you guys got fishers with you and jack you got zionsville with nash easton moore all those different guys carmel with hunter snow jd stein and it's just that northern indianapolis area is just loaded with baseball talent if you you know going through it these past three years could explain what that northern indianapolis baseball competition looks like how would you explain it um it's crazy showing up to high school every day and you're expecting to see a 90 mile an hour arm literally every day even non-con games we're seeing 90 mile an hour arms so it's just it's unreal how much high school baseball have grown and then when you look at it from those are the guys we compete in with obviously conference but then we got to play all of them to just win the sectional which i have my opinion on i i don't i wish that we could split it up a little bit and then see each other down the road in the state tournament but location wise it kind of does make sense so but it's just tough because seems to be if you get out of that sectional there's a really good chance you're winning state yeah that that sectional and there's one other section i can't remember who's there. i think it's like mooresville center grove yeah, center franklin grove. like i mean yeah. those two sections i mean i can't imagine being in the, one of those two sectionals i mean uh, that's that's got to be a rough uh you know week having to face a some you yeah. know 90 plus uh, on the mountain but yeah yeah uh but no so let's kind of go ahead dig into the recruiting process and like we've talked about committed ohio state class air 2024 kind of take us through that recruiting process you know when was it that you know teams started reaching out when was it that you know you started the whole process um i the first time i noticed like a college coach reach out to me was my freshman fall yeah, my freshman fall, I filled in with Canes Midwest in a fall game. And then that was the first time, nothing big, just University of Kentucky showed a little bit of interest in me. And that's when I realized, like, I might have a future in pitching. And then um, after that, nothing really happened. I knew what I needed to work on. I needed to gain velo. I needed to get bigger. I was little when I was a freshman, very skinny around. And... Um, so I worked my butt off sophomore off season and um, took a shutdown period. And then right when I threw my first bullpen, put it on Twitter. And that's when I noticed everything started to get going a little bit. I jumped from low 80s to upper 80s. I think I was 88, 89, my first pin. And that's when coaches started reaching out, started getting on more phone calls, things like that. So that, that really got it going. Um, I think I got my first offer officially in February going into my sophomore season. So that that really got it going and then just carried on just conversations with a bunch of schools, um, picking up a few offers and keep talking throughout the spring and the summer, filling everyone in how I'm doing seeing guys start showing up to games and then throughout the summer it's kind of more more popular i went to a few things um a few big things like the futures games was huge um guys that i didn't even know were watching me i'd get a text right after september 1st uh hey we watched you at the future games we really like what we saw 
I didn't even think I threw well. I thought I threw terrible, but I guess still saw some things. So the future games and then the Champions Cup at USA Baseball. There were a few schools there watching me. So after that, um, I had I had a um, decent amount of offers, and I narrowed it down to pretty much Ohio State and Notre Dame. And then um, Notre Dame, I was talking to when it was Link Jarrett, um, Notre Dame, and I really liked Link Jarrett's stuff. And then he left. He ghosted me. And then he left because obviously he went to Florida State, and then um, then that, that kind of slowed down. But then when the new staff got announced, um, that picked up again, and I started talking to them, and I really liked what they had to say. But uh, that didn't work out. Notre Dame's really expensive. Um, didn't get the money I was hoping for. But and then Ohio State, I really like the coaching staff. Got a great new coaching staff from great schools who know how to win, um, see development, see a future. They got basically two pitching coaches, and the, both those pitching coaches have put up great numbers. And from every conversation I've had with them, those were the guys who I thought could get me to the next level, develop me, bring me my best stuff, and then win, win in college, have, have a lot of fun. So – so what I really liked about Ohio State and then beautiful campus, good football games, good facilities. So really couldn't go wrong there. And then that's that's what made me choose Ohio State. OK, so, you know, throwing it back there to the beginning of the recruiting process. Take us through what some of those initial conversations kind of look like when it comes to, you know, what some what are the questions that they're asking you? Like, were there, you know, for the most part, did all the coaches kind of go about it the same way? You know, kind of take us through what those initial conversations kind of look like. Um, a lot of those initial conversations for me were um, coaches asking, yeah, coaches asking like how my recruiting process is going or things like just small talk, learn about my family, how's school going, what kind of student I am. Uh, I take pride in my student, uh, in my schooling. My mom's a principal. If I don't get good grades, I get a text within 30 seconds. Why'd you do bad on that test? So I'm a very good student, so that wasn't a problem for me, but just a lot of small talk to start and then keep sending videos. And then a lot of coaches would say, well, come see in the spring, come see in the summer, and then that's when you really got to turn it on show them. Yeah, so as you were going through that process, you know, before you even decided between Notre Dame and Ohio State, you know, what were some of those key things that you were looking for, you know, within a coaching staff, within a school, just, you know, what were some of those key things you were looking for? Um, those key things were winning, like co a coaching staff who knew how to win. I, lo I love to win. I'm a competitor. I hate losing. Um, so that, and then also I wanted to go to a bigger school. Um, I didn't really want to go to the small school. I mean, I would have, obviously, especially with a great program. And then a pitching or pitching coaches um, who have shown, like, have, have proof of success in the past. So, like, things of, like, developmenting guys, getting guys drafted. Obviously, that's a goal of mine. So that, those are really the things that stuck out to me. Okay, so, you know, as you're going through that process, you said, you know, you get an offer thrown to you there, an offer thrown to you there. You know, what was that mindset on the timeline? 
Like, did you have a kind of like set date in terms of, I want to wait till, you know, after August 1st when college coaches can contact me, you know, what was that plan there as you were, you know, getting a couple offers thrown your way just on the timelines uh, side of things? Um, My plan was to commit in the fall. I wanted to be able to, I think it's September 1st. Of yeah, it's it was yeah September first, and now it's like with the new rule August. Yeah, 1st. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I wanted to be able to like, actually conversate before I committed. I wanted to be able to take a visit, learn about schools. So I w- I wanted to commit in the like the fall of my junior year, the time I did. That was the perfect timing for me. I didn't want to wait around. I mean, I would have waited around longer if I didn't find a place. I was in not really a rush at all kind of relieve some pressure though when you commit but I also wasn't going to commit if I didn't find a place that felt like a good fit all right so you know obviously and waiting up wait until that September 1st deadline to commit in the fall obviously get you into that futures game kind of take us through what that experience was like you know me talking to Cooper talking to a lot of those other guys that were a part of that futures game team heard you guys absolutely dominated so you know what was that experience like kind of take us through the futures game uh, that experience was great. I hadn't been to Lake Point um, before that, and Lake Point is awesome. It was just – I got there pretty early bef- the day before we played. So I went in, checked in, watched um, junior Team Indiana Junior Futures games, like take BP and skill stuff. I was like, These, this is a Junior Future games. And so um, got all my stuff, then – Got the text that I was throwing in relief in game one. I think everyone got two innings, two or one inning or two innings. I think I got two. And I was throwing, yeah, game one. So um, I was ready for that. My body was ready for that. So I came out. Game two or game one, Simon started. And then he threw good, really watching how good our team was. And we were all – we all kind of knew of each other. So we were all pretty close and it's just super fun to be there. You turn to your left as a college coach. Oh wait, Vandy, uh, Tennessee. It was everyone you could imagine. Um, I stepped on the mound. It was really hot and I was kind of nervous. I like to say I don't get nervous, but I'm telling you, I was nervous. Um, it's just behind home plate, just filled of college coaches I got a picture in my phone. It's just crazy to look at. Yeah, um, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> it, it was really nerve wracking, but just great experience just to get out, like get in that high pressure situation, be in front of all those really big coaches. So it was really awesome. No, I'm sure. Yeah. And so you mentioned, you know, all those different college coaches that are watching you there that week there down that Lake Point for you. How do you kind of, you know, you, you did say that you were nervous, but how do you kind of block that out, kind of just solely focus on, you know, the game that needs to be played? How do you kind of just maybe ignore some of those extra eyes that are on you during an event like the Futures game? You kind of let it just hype you up, honestly. I I throw better when I'm hyped up and obviously amped up and excited. So it's kind of like motivation. They came here, they came out to watch you. So show them, give them a show. Yeah. Let them see what you're about. 
Yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a little bit e- not easier, but I'm sure it's not as tough on pitchers compared to hitters, obviously. Because if you're yeah. ramped, if you're ramped up as a pitcher, I mean, you're ready to go. But as a hitter, yeah. you know, you gotta you know maybe you gotta stay, breathe, little, so you know, you gotta, gotta stay a little relaxed. But uh-huh. um, so with you, you know, now being committed to Ohio State for you know seven eight months or so, committed in the fall. You know, what are some of those relationships you have with some of your future teammates, you know, whether that's in the class of 24, maybe some guys who are going there next year as freshmen, just what are some of those relationships you already have? The big thing I noticed about relationships was when I really took my visit, um, I walked up and every player on the team came, shook my hand, greeted me, said, hey, how you doing? Asked me if I needed anything. That's what I really noticed first. And then we got a group chat right now of commits and we talk. We don't really talk baseball that much. We honestly just chill, talk about like life, j- crack jokes with each other, and then um, I talk to the coaches, talk to them about like my struggles um, on the mound, how things are going, fill them in really with everything. So they're always checking in. I'm always checking in with them, asking them how everything's going. So it's really nice back and forth relationship of like, we're there for you when I, when you need it, I'm here for them. If they need anything, just things like that. Yeah. So as we talk about relationships, you know, let's kind of dig into the coaching staff, you know, what's that relationship that you have, you know, with maybe the head coach, maybe some of the assistants as well, take us through, you know, what that relationship is and how that's evolved, you know, since you committed there in the fall. Okay. Um. So coach Mosiello, I think I'm saying it right. That's the head coach. And my relationship with him is he always showed how much he cares about his players. I really noticed that when I took my visit. Um, just it's it's bigger than baseball. You gotta you gotta become a good man off the field. You gotta be able to take care of a family. I really noticed that with him. So he's always we don't talk about baseball that much when we talk. We just he asked me how things are going, but it's more about the family. How's my dad doing? How's my mom doing? How's my sisters? Things like that. And then um, Coach Sean Allen is the one of the main the main pitching coach, and that's who I really talk to a lot about how my outings are going and how things are going well and how I'm feeling, how my body's feeling, so yeah. everything like that. So you said that the final two schools that you were deciding between, you know, Ohio State and Notre Dame. Do you remember that day when it hits you? Okay, you know, I think Ohio State's the place for me. Maybe you go, you text the coach, you maybe you put a social media post out there. Do you remember when it finally hits you? You know, okay, I think Ohio State's, you know, where my future is. Yeah, so I went to, I don't know exact dates, but um, about, I think, two weeks or so before I committed, I went to a camp at Notre Dame. They wanted to see me one more time. And I went to that camp like walked around, obviously Notre Dame, great facilities. Everything's great there. Um, and then through well, that was good. And then I took my visit to Ohio State the next week and um, it was an official visit. So obviously they're treating me right, but it was just sweet. Everything was sweet. We got to see a football game. That was crazy. Um, energy's crazy. You got to watch a practice take pictures and I went home I went with my dad there we didn't um I went home after that we talked he really liked it he really liked the coaching staff he thought that they were all very respectful and very um very good coaches get us to the next level and develop me so 
really right when I got home, that's when I noticed that Ohio State was the place to be. Okay. All right. So I got one last baseball segment here for you. Then we'll go ahead and do the, you know, the couple uh, rapid fire slash personal questions to end it off. So obviously, you know, you are, you know, a pitcher and a shortstop here in high school, but when you do head to Ohio state, I believe what you said is the plan is to be a PO. So when that does happen and you kind of have that time to solely focus on pitching, how do you kind of see yourself evolving as a pitcher, you know, with you, you know, putting a hundred percent of your time in baseball to actually pitching. Um, I think what I'm really going to notice is a change in how my body feels and recovers. I work um, very hard on pitching still, and that is mainly what my focus goes into in the offseason. Um, I throw med balls hard, water bags, all that. That kind of um, – some of the, that exercise, like rotating around the spine, kind of correlates to hitting. But – when I really just focus into solely pitching, I'm going to notice that it won't be a day where, like, obviously I'm going to be sore, but, oh, I got to go hit too. My body, my back, I got to hit more, swing more, take more ground balls. And then I'm going to be able to, like, actually not have to go throw after I pitch. So my arm is going to be get pop, proper recovery, going to lead to better midweek bullpens, how I feel, and then at better starts eventually. So I think it's just more of how my body feels. Okay. So when you are up on that mound, kind of take us through, you know, what that pitching repertoire kind of looks like, maybe your best pitch, maybe even your worst pitch that needs the most work. You know, what does that pitching repertoire look like? So I got a fastball, a slider, and a changeup. And my fastball plays really well up in the zone. Um I like to think I throw hard. <laughs> so I can usually – I can blow it by guys usually. Um, command it well most days when I struggled. that It was command issues um, out of the stretch a little bit more. And then my slider is pretty good. Um, the main goal this offseason um, was to get it to land, be able to throw it for a strike and then throw it for a swing and miss. And – um, so far when I'm on, that's been really good. And then my changeups, um, usually my best pitch, um, I can throw it righty-righty, throw it to a lefty. Lefties usually have no chance hitting it unless I leave it up. But, yeah, um, my changeups usually my best pitch. That's about 80-82, so that's okay. my go-to. Okay, so digging into the arm care side of things, obviously, I mean, I know that's been getting more and more popular when it, with, with pitching instructors, pitching coaches, to really focus on your arm care. For you, what does that offseason look like when it comes to, you know, maybe your deload, maybe your ramp up in December, January, February, and then off in season as well? You know, let's say, you know, you're starting, you said, I think Thursday or Friday. What does that next day look like? What does the next couple of days look like leading up to your next start? Kind of take us through what your arm care looks like. Um, so I threw on Friday this week and usually I throw on the next Friday, but it's actually Thursday because we're going Wednesday, Thursday this week. So um, Saturday, I have to – I play second Saturday, so I just really like toss, barely throw. Sunday, don't throw. Well, back up. Post-Friday, um, I'll, I'll do – just take my body through, like, motion stuff, keep range of motion good. And then Saturday, I try and get in the weight room and really get everything going again strength and everything so that's more the heavy lift and really just get the body back and going and then Sunday I do not throw and then Monday um, I'll go 
when I'm throwing the next Friday, Monday, I'll go um, just like a drill work day, um, like medium intensity. And then Tuesday, I'll go a long toss day, um, like 30-ish pitch bullpen, just more light, not really gassing everything up. And then Wednesday, I do not throw. Um, and then Thursday, I play second, try to throw really light. And then Friday, I really let it eat. So mainly the arm care is just making sure range of motion is there and then making sure there are no injuries. Okay, so what about in the offseason? Like, do you, like, take time off? Do you take, you know, November, December off? What does that kind of look like? Because I know some pitchers a little bit differently when it comes to what their offseason plans look like. So um, going into my sophomore year, I actually – I didn't throw for, I think, 10 weeks. Like, I didn't touch a baseball. And um, – I was questioning doing that again, but I went, me and Jack went to the Florida baseball armory. I think he mentioned that. Yeah. And I talking about that. we just talked and there's this thing. It's, we call it the sock. It's like you put it on, strap it on. It's supposed to be 50% um, less like damaging on your arm. It helps engage, um, engage different muscles, just like slow down your arm. It's just supposed to be better for your arm. So um, I decided not to completely stop throwing. Um, Randy Sullivan, the guy over there at the baseball armory, said that as a pitcher, that that time right there is mainly focused on getting stronger, getting faster, more athletic, more fast twitch. So as you're doing all that, you still need to be teaching those muscles how to throw a baseball because that's what they're going to be doing. So I think I just – for the first two weeks, I didn't throw. And then I threw in the sock once a week for a couple weeks. And then I threw in the sock twice a week for, I think, four more weeks. So just keeping more of, like, like the, the path of my arm going. Not really actually throwing baseballs, but it was a six-ounce plyo ball in the sock just to keep, keep my motion going, things like that. Okay. So generally I would dig into the hitting side of things, but I know, you know, you gotta, you gotta go to that, that sectional drawing. So I'll go ahead and just skip that. But uh, on the next question here, so personal scouting report, you can dig into hitting side if you'd like as well, but if you were a scout watching your game, you know, what would be that scouting report that you'd write up on yourself? Um, I think if I was a scout watching my game, I would say that I'm a competitor on the mound. Um, I believe that I'm going to get you out. So obviously I compete with high intent. And then um, I, I'll get ahead most of the day. Most of the time I'm on, I'll get ahead. And then I can throw my change up in any count, slider in any count, get it for a strike, get it for a swing and miss. Um, I can still throw well when in high-pressure situations. Runners on third, I can still get out of the inning. Um and then I'm also good when I fail, like under adversity. If if I'm not doing good that day, I'm not going to throw a temper tantrum on the mound, start crying like some guys. So I can actually – I can just breathe, comprehend myself. Obviously, I'm mad at myself, but I'm not going to show that too much on the mound, and I'm still going to be able to give you my best effort and give you everything I have that day. Okay, so, you know, as you dig into, you know, what exactly you are as a ball player, let's dig into, you know, what is maybe what maybe you aren't. If you had to dig into your development, what would be a couple of those just key things that you're wanting to focus on, you know, before you head to that next level there at Ohio State? Um, gain and velo always, 
seems like this day and age, everyone throws hard. Um, 90 isn't really cool anymore. Um, once you get to 95, you throw hard now. It's not 90. Um, so obviously that, and then really just commanding what I've seen at every level, as much as you want to look around, like the stuff and the movement, if you can command a fastball, you can get out. So what I, I focus on that a lot this offseason, just working on command and throwing it to corners, up, down, being able to do that will make you successful. And then that'll make all your off-speed stuff better because all that movement just plays off of that. Okay. All right. So I got one last segment here for you. Call it rapid fire, but in reality, it's more just stuff on the personal side of things. So let's dig into passions first. So beyond the game of baseball, what are some of those things you like to do to maybe, you know, take your mind off of, take your mind off of something, you know, maybe cope with some stress. What are some of those hobbies, maybe some of those passions that you have beyond the game of baseball? Um, I like to go boating a lot. I love the water, especially when it's warm. We got my dad's been into boating. We got a pretty nice um, wake surf boat. So I just picked up wake surfing. I'm actually getting pretty good at that. So I like that. Obviously, just running around with my friends, playing in the pool, staying up late, doing stupid boy stuff like ding dong ditching, things like that. <laughs> just just hanging out, just having a good time. Bonfires are cool. I like s'mores. I like being outside. I don't like being inside often. So really just enjoying nice nights and like things like just playing around, diving in the lakes late, things like that. Okay, so digging onto the motivation side of things, you know, what is it just deep down internally that you have that, you know, helps you get out of bed every morning, helps you continuously evolve as a ball player, as a person? Just what are some of those motivations that you have? Um, a person who motivates me, I'd say, is my grandpa. Um, he's super hard worker, and he cares for our family like no other. He's the best person on the planet, and it's not really a question. Um, he... He shows so much love and support to me. He's at every one of our games, no matter if he has to cancel a work trip, if he has to cancel a flight, he shows up to every game. So he's really the one who motivates me. He's always checking in on me. And then, honestly, just other guys around me motivate me, like seeing how good guys are motivates me to want to work harder and want to get better and be better than those guys. Yeah, that's what I got to say. Okay, so taking that question a little bit further, let's say you keep using those motivations to get better. What is that perfect picture of your life 20 years down the road? What does that look like? Um, 20 years down the road, I will be 36 if I'm doing my math right. Yeah. Um, obviously, it'd be nice to have a healthy family, still be able to talk to my parents and hang out with, still have a lot of friends. It'd be ideal to be in the big leagues, have a lot of land, um, just enjoy family, enjoy times, being able to pitch still at that highest level would be awesome. Okay. All right. So final two questions here for you. I was asking back to back. So what is that go-to playlist that you got? Let's say you got a long drive. Let's say you're driving to Columbus. You know, what is that go-to playlist? You know, genre singer however you want to take it you know what's that go-to playlist and then final question dream nil brand so when you get to ohio state you get to endorse collaborate partner with any brand here in the country what would be that dream brand all right um go-to playlist if i'm trying to get hyped up i'll go to my go to rap um i like i like little baby um 
guys like that. I like I like Polo G, Future, just the music that got a good bass, play loud, hypes me up. And then like long drives, if we got to go somewhere far, I really got into country pretty recently. Honest, honestly, um, I really like Morgan Wallen and Zach Bryan okay. for country. And then Dream NIL brand. Um, I gotta. I'd probably go like Lamborghini. Like, okay. Okay, that's a like a car brand would be sweet. Okay. You know, that's, I think that's the first time I've ever heard that one. I'm, you know, I'm so used to hearing, you know, Nike or Adidas or Lululemon, but you know, I I like that one. That's unique. I think that's the first time I've got that answer, but clothing clothing brands are sweet too, but like just being able to get a free car and not have to worry about a car payment and then obviously showing up in style would be cool. Yeah, of course. All right, man. Well, you know, that's, that's the final question here on the JCare podcast. You know, really appreciate you coming on the show today. You know, as the spring keeps rolling, going into the summer, and then you get to Ohio State, you know, best of luck with the rest of your career. You know, best of luck tonight as well with that sectional drawing. I'll be pulling for you guys. Uh, But no, man, you know, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on.